Well, hi, everybody. It's the Week in the Tackle podcast, and we are live together in a studio in Washington, D.C. My name is Tom Rennie. Thank you for subscribing, listening, and indeed watching. Alongside me, quite literally, like here, like what would you say? This is about a metre, maybe? A metre away. It's star of Apple TV, Sirius XMFC host, everyone's third favourite MLS failure. It is... Mr. Brian Dunny Dunseth, how are you, mate? You're right. I'm great. Like I want to give you a high five. Should we do it? You, give you hey, third wall. We're gonna need uh, some. Uh, we're gonna need some Purell. Yeah, you're gonna need to watch. Gonna need that. some Purell now. You don't know where I've been. Um, how are you, bud? Good to see you. I I'm doing I very well. Like, what are we doing here? What are, how are we? It's weird because this? so if you're watching on YouTube, we do have like the usual camera setup. But the thing is, I can't look directly down the lens at you this week because Dunny is like to my right, and I feel like we should take this opportunity to look at each other in the flesh yeah. as opposed to on the camera, well, which know, is weird. You know who else is here? Who? Get the horse. Front, get in front of the camera, horse. The horse hey! is here. <laughs> the full team together in the same. Hell. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. You just write that down? <laughs> write that down, buddy. That's the first one. Uh, so we're in Washington, D.C., Sirius XM Studios. Um, what is NOMA? What does it stand for? Do uh, we know what that stands for? You're an American. Don't you know this stuff? I NOMA have I an idea. Oh, dear. That wasn't great, was it? it? But we don't cut things out on this f***ing show. So, sorry, Tim. Uh, we're not going to be doing that again. Uh, so we're in... It's, it's, a, it's actually nice studios, apart from... This studio. So the whole office is actually really nice and professional. And we bumped into a bunch of like colleagues who host other shows here. Yep. Um, but this this room, right? So this room that we are currently in is the Sirius XMFC, the Football Channel headquarters, the HQ. And I've got to tell you, it reminds me of every teenage boy's bedroom. Oh, yeah. Like, not that I've been in many teenage boys' bedrooms, not since I was a teenage boy. I've not had this much sex since I was a Boy Scout leader. But... But it's so, it's I so. Wish you could see horsey. It's so filthy in here, right? So I got in this morning to yeah. do the Grumpy Pundit show, and I'm in with producer Will, and I was like, "Oh, good! It's good to be in the studios." And I'm looking at some of the shirts and some of the scarves, and okay, lovely. And then I found a box, this box to be specific, mm. alongside me here, um, and it is a box of Premierios, uh, like Cheerios, but Premier League themed. It's very nice. Gotcha. I didn't get that earlier. Great wordplay. I'm glad you got it immediately because it took me some time. I was pronouncing that real weird uh, for the first hour of the show. Um, and then I took a closer look at this. So the stars on the front of the Premierio's box are Eden Hazard oh boy. in a Chelsea shirt looking like thin. Daniel Sturridge, who retired, I think, maybe like three years ago. Doesn't he live in LA now, I think, yeah, or something like something that. Like that yeah. And Tim Howard... <laughs> Timmy! Timmy! Timmy boy. Still, Tim Howard. Still looking the same. So, And, and uh, this box, as you can hear, is still full of Cheerios. They've had this box no, no, in pre- this room. Premios. Premios. How dare you? Oh, not Premios. Premios, whatever you want to call it. Premios. Not, you can't say Cheerios. Premier- well, I would have said Premios if I was English, but because it's America, I was going to say Premierios, yeah, like Premier League. Yeah, that works. Premierios. Okay. Uh, and so this comes from a time where Hull City, Queen's Park Rangers... Stoke City, Sunderland, Swansea, and West Bromwich Albion are all still in the Premierios League. Oh, poor Andy in New Hampshire. And it's a full, a full box. Like, and they just keep this in here. Yeah. Like, this is something they keep in here as decoration. No. This is like poison. This should be uh, like making someone's driveway. This no, is like the it. hardcore no, now. You could do it. You could do it. That's like cat litter now. But you could still eat it. Of course you could eat it. And don't think for a second 
there hasn't been like Gabe Ortiz, yeah, or uh, Patrick Stoll. Some of them are gross. Some of them are gross. Who else? Who else can we throw under the bus? Olsen, would she have eaten it? Emily Olsen, too classy. Like somebody thought about breaking into those at some point because they were so hungry. If you were doing like an eight-hour day, some yeah. of those COVID days, a hundred percent, where one tech-up was in here for like eight, ten hours, yeah. Couldn't move. But they were so afraid of someone going, where's the Premios? <laughs> what happened to the Premios? Where are they? Who ate the Premios? That was like a $4,000 collector box. Do you think this could be worth money now? Uh, I mean, it's it's it also has the NBCSN yes, logo at the which top. is gone now, right? So I assume, well, hand that thing over. Do you want this? No, I just want now to he's in. Now he's in, folks. Oh, yeah. No, th- this is, so I... I bet you, I bet you, mm-hmm. this is one of those like PR stunts that they kind of put together. Cool, it has uh, to be. They weren't selling this in the shop. See the NBCSN stuff? Yeah. Yeah, th- this is one of those like, hey, we've got the Premier League. Mm. Here's a marketing ad campaign. Premios, <laughs> not Cheerios. Yes, it's good. Premios. I like it. Um, if anyone wants to win this... We oh, might we might run a competition for this it. This has warrior. This is when this is how old this is for Liverpool heads out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back to one of the dark days of kit branding. Warrior. I thought Warrior made good kits. Are they not well remembered? Are you the purple, black, and white kits? Have you seen the one they've got now? I'm, uh, Liverpool have to have a terrible away kit. That's kind of their white. vibe, isn't it? What's worse, the Arsenal kit oh. that we saw yesterday at the MLS Skills Challenge, and what is going to be the new kit? Or that one? Probably that one. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But also, I want to talk about I want to talk about MLS All-Star. I want to talk about the Skills Challenge. We yeah. were there last night. We're going to All-Star tonight. Um, the Keepy Uppy Challenge, by the way. we got You had a crowd. I want to talk about this as well. Yeah. But firstly, how surprised were you how much Tony Miola loved that Arsenal shirt? Like, on air, he said he liked it. Now, we all lie on air, okay? Spoiler alert. <laughs> if the boss says to me, say you love the MLS skills challenge, I will do that on air for money. That's how it works, okay? Uh, to be fair, I did actually then enjoy it. I wasn't expecting to, but it was actually quite fun. Um, but off air, we then went for dinner afterwards, and just apropos of nothing out of nowhere, he was like, God, that Arsenal kid, I really like that. Wait, that's I your, love that, that jersey. That's your Tony Miola? No, I was, I was just general American. Oh, okay. I'll do you. That, that was a bit No, dangerous. it's a bit more like that, isn't it? It's a bit more like that. Got more of a... He's going to smash you. Got more of a higher, the, higher pitch. If he hears that's your impression of Why? him. Why? Because have you seen his Wreck-It Ralph hands? Yes, but that's a really good impression of his voice, Have I you think. Have you ever played the, the game Donkey Kong where they just smash, smash? So did you not think... Do your impression. Tony Miola? Yeah. Hey, Pete. Hey, Pete. How much further? How much further we walk in? One block? Too low. Too low. Don't lie to me. <laughs> Don't fucking lie to me, Pete. Sorry, Sorry Tim. That's too low. That's then, too low. And then Pete goes, no, it's like one more block on the other side of that building. Yes, and, that was so funny. And then funny. Tony goes, oh, f- here we go. Sorry, Tim. Here we go. Here comes the sweats. <laughs> here comes, ugh. Are, are we purposely avoiding all the shade? Are we just purposely avoiding all the shade? Next thing you know, Miola looks like he went on a slip and slide. Yes. It was. A, Tony. When Tony starts sweating, there's a moment where Tony knows he's about to sweat. <laughs> and Tony goes, what the f*** are we doing? Sorry, Tim. I can't. I got to do it with Tony. Yes. What are we doing? We, we just, we're doing this, huh? This is what we're doing? I feel like okay, you're cool, more we'll doing go like Frank Costanza, to be honest, more than you're doing Tony Miola. You know, I, I don't. I feel like it was spot on. D- Spectacular. I think mine was a bit, <laughs> a bit better. <laughs> 
It's slightly higher. It's somewhere between was those two. Was it castrated at some point recently that I'm not aware of? Yeah, see, I'd not rehearsed uh, it. So that was a, that was my first go. I'll work on it and get back to This is our you. first time. Like, so weird, isn't it? it? So yesterday, we've done shows for about a year and a half. year and a half. Year and a half. We've, we've done Week in the Tackle for about a year and a half. This is the first time I've ever been in SiriusXM Studios in D.C. And I've been an employee for six years, mm. maybe going on seven, somewhere in there. It's first Since time- the station go- started going from strength to strength, basically, from that point on. <laughs> the downfall of the channel. I apologize. <laughs> but now, like, it's so cool to be in this. Like, I, this is like a surreal moment. Yeah. It's like a fishbowl moment for me. Yeah. To all be in the same We should do this more often. Time. We should do it more often. Yeah. 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 We probably won't. No, we're not. No. no. Next year's All-Star, maybe. No, I, 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 I propose that you are a part of All-Star and MLS Cup Final. I'd love to do MLS Cup Final. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I mean, you are playing to the masses right now. Yes, I am. At least in Columbus. I am wearing my Columbus Crew shirt as gifted to me by by our good friends at Columbus Crew. Uh, And so it's going to be in Columbus next year, the All-Star Game. So, you know, got any budget, Tim? He says no. Those are my stomping grounds. These are your, so we can find out some of your teenage haunts. Columbus. Is Hooters still there or? Columbus. Is it still there, Hooters? I don't I got know. A, I've, got still a special, there. I've got a special place for Columbus, Ohio. But we also have a special it's place for, Midwest, for Washington, D.C., where we are. We've had a good time, haven't we, yeah. the last uh, 48 hours or so. Um, do you, do no, you... not that bit. We're not talking about that bit. <laughs> We're not talking about that bit. The measures here are enormous. They're enormous. Uh, when you get a drink, it's not a 25 so, milliliter hit so of uh, I just want bourbon. you guys, we were, talking no. about, we were talking about the Arsenal jersey. Yes. I just want you to know, the lines from the Arsenal jersey... That was basically the path that Rennie took to get back to his hotel yeah. after our first night out. Do you know, I was such a shambles after it. You'll get it when you see it. I can't tell you the whole thing, because I, I, I just I don't want to. We had s'mores together. Yes, I don't we remember it at all. We had s'mores together. It, we had so much fun that Rennie, we were at the MLSPA party. We had a blast. We were catching up with everyone. Rennie comes running over to me in the middle of a conversation, like a serious conversation, and he goes, They have s'mores! 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 And I'm like, where? And so I was like, we got to get a picture. So we go over, we take a picture, and I take a bite. And you know, like when s'mores have been like sitting out by a campfire, they've been for you don't really camp, but like for everyone out there that like knows, like if you do, you got to eat the s'more immediately. It's got to be nice and hot and gooey and melting. All otherwise, you miss the boat. You missed it. Yeah, these have sat out for a bit, which Mm. is fine. It's still tasty. There are like various like additions to the s'mores. I for my like I'm a Reese's Pieces or I'm a peanut butter cup kind of guy mm. instead of just chocolate. It, it just adds a little bit of peanut butter flavor. It's a little bit a little bit dry. So a little bit they kind of they get caught in the back of your clanky. mouth. Clanky, I'd yeah. say they were clanky. Um, so Randy goes no. <laughs> just we take the picture. No, and he just throws it into the trash. And it was amazing. I'm Tim's, not sure. Tim's high-fiving us right now. I'm like, not oh, sure that I, this, any of this happened. Because you know when you've got a terrible friend who yeah. tries to tell you things you actually didn't do the Which following day because you don't remember? Of, yeah. I have picture proof of eating the s'more, mm. but we have no proof of anything that happened afterwards. But I will say uh, there were two hotels in this city with the same name. Um, and after, we had a really good day down at uh, the MLS Open Training. We spoke to Wayne Rooney and Matt Miazga and a whole bunch of other players. It was really cool. Um, I, helped, I helped you by patting off the sweat from your ball. I head. didn't take a hat. That was so unbearably dumb. dumb. I made so many bad decisions since arrival. Um, but then the, the social media manager who was coming with us, what was his name? Brady. 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 Sorry, good old Brady. Brady. So Brady, Brady's a big man. Tom was crouching down underneath Brady yes. in his shadow yes. to avoid the sun. <laughs> 
I was, I was, I was in fear of a sunstroke. I was very close. Well, you, you had a poor performance for the balds. The balds would be very oh, disappointed yeah. in your decision making. The balls need to think ahead. Uh, when the revolution comes, the balls will be the head. That's how it'll be. Um, but I God, basically I wish I could do this in person. More on often. the way home, on the way home, I got into a, a taxi after you all left me because they're all staying somewhere else. So I just sort of sat on a verge. Uh, in like uh, that kind of national mall bit in between Capitol Hill and the White House and just sat on my own under a tree for like five minutes waiting for my cab. Just like, oh, I don't know how I managed to get through all that. Um, I'm sure Wayne Rooney recognised the signs. Um, And then I basically went to the wrong hotel, but because they look similar on the outside, I walked into reception and got to the elevator before going like, yeah, I'm not staying here. Yeah, wrong one. And had to turn around again. So that's how disheveled things have been. We had a good time. Yeah, but it's been good. Um, the skills challenge. I actually thought it was going to be terrible. I got. T- I really didn't have high aspirations for it. But I did find myself super getting into it. Yeah. Especially Goalie Wars. So much fun. Goalie Wars. This is one of those things where if we're looking about how to like expand the American sphere of influence over soccer... That's how you do it. Yeah. Go on a tour like the Harlem Globetrotters around the world and go to clubs and be like, we want your goalkeeper to be involved in this against our celebrity panel of, of, of goalkeepers. So for those that don't know it, you explained it to us last yeah. week, um, but now we've seen it. Give us a rerun through of what we saw last night and how it kind of works. Yeah, so they took the MLS Next Pro goalkeepers, the top four goalkeepers, um, and and basically what they've done, they this was kind of like an in between for commercial breaks between all of the other competitions that were happening between Arsenal and the MLS All Stars. So they basically used the halfway line as the marker in between the two goals. They went about fifteen yards on either side, and then so the goalkeepers then could either throw roll and kick or volley and kick and shoot on the other goalkeepers. But if it was a save, if they force the goalkeeper in a save, they retain possession. They keep possession, get to go again. But if you catch it or the ball goes wide, then you get the opportunity to go back and forth. I don't know this kid, Damian Loss, the goalkeeper that participated. But I know he took it seriously. Yes, he really, really was not happy. He took it so seriously that he was unhappy with his perception of time-wasting by the (laughs) opponent and was MFing the referee. And it was amazing. And I kept telling you, like, you were like, no, it's all fun and games. Like, this is kind of like hee hee ha ha. And I was like, no, there comes that moment where people get embarrassed. And I, I know we'll talk about Kai Havertz and a couple other players, but... Like, the social media that's out there, none of these guys want to be embarrassed. No. This guy took it super seriously. And he took it so seriously that Horsey and I were on the sideline, and I'm doing commentary down. You guys are up on the on the level. And he makes this incredible window washer save. Left hand comes all the way up. He stretches across, and he just goes, off. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. And Tim and I start laughing. Like, we legitimately started laughing. We're like, chill out, bro. Like, the winner got a WWE-esque type of wrestling belt that said MLS Next Pro. Wait, you wanted that belt. It the moment so it was awesome. there, you wanted it. It was so awesome. Yeah. But then, like, he got into the final, and he screamed, this dude's screaming at the referee for time. And the, the, the kid who ends up winning it, Walker... He's taking his time. It's yeah. obvious. He's you know he's. But it's a game. It's a tactic. I mean, if that goes man, if that goes international, which it should, you play the game within you, the game. You work the clock. Yeah. And, but so, anyways, Walker wins. Last loses. Lot, could wouldn't shake hands. Walked around like was so pissed. Ripped his gloves off. Was even looking at the MLS All Stars that were sitting on the bench. Were like trying to get them. Be like, oh, this is 
this is bullshit, bro. This is bullshit. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. And the guys are like, I, I don't care. <laughs> but you know what was great? Aaron Ramsdale oh, yeah. loved it. I couldn't take my eyes off Aaron Ramsdale. I don't know Aaron Ramsdale. I am not a, not an Arsenal fan, but I'm an Aaron Ramsdale guy now. Oh, yeah. He was Top guy. so into it. It was so so in the midfield they had like the two chairs in the sitting area, and you couldn't see at home, but I was watching Ramsdale. Ramsdale was talking so much ish, like when Kai Havertz like had a shocker. Ramsdale walked up to him and like started talking trash, and and Havertz pushed him away. <laughs> he like, get off me, bro! He must have walked like forty yards well. to get in his face. Yeah, and then so they go to goalie wars. wars, and so I don't know how am I going to do this. So uh-uh. so then Ramsdale like he turns his attention he realizes goalie wars is going to happen and so there's like a there's like a little like uh the barrier Ramsdale goes like this and he's just watching good yeah great save oh did you see how hard he kicked that one and he was just like a kid in a candy shop. He was so excited. Why don't the the the, the, the actual keepers do it? Like, is it because it's not safe? Yeah, they don't. Well, I, don't, I just don't think they want to. Be. So Miola used to do it. Yeah. And there was a guy named Zach Thornton who could kick the living piss out of the ball. He used to do it. And so th- this was a, a real. So part this of is it. the guy you were telling me last night who had like the record for hardest shot in the league or something. So they used to take like they had a like a, a speed radar gun and they would see who could kick the ball the hardest. Zach kicked it like 98 miles an hour. And no one I was probably like 89. I'm I exaggerate sometimes. Um but it was it was so hard that no one else could win. Like all of like the strikers like oh he's got the hardest strike of the ball. Like Zach would kick the ball and you're like he's going to kill someone. <laughs> That's I, why they put him in goal for the safety of everybody oh, else. He was, he was, That's Zach, why he's doing it. Man, you're awesome. But I mean I I really would love to see Aaron Ramsdale do it. I thought it was really cool and I just kept thinking like that bit that many of our listeners will appreciate, maybe more than you you might, where like you're playing like five a side or pick up football or something, and it's your turn to go in goal, like rotation goalkeeper, and I just you live, I just live in fear of it, mm. just live in fear of it. Someone's going to hit the ball hard at me. <laughs> Someone's going to like it's going to be fine, but there's the anticipation of like being hit really hard with the football, and that bit where like uh, it got to the final and they were doing the drop kick one. Yeah, where they were like smashing that ball so hard. from like ten feet away, yeah. <laughs> right at the goalkeeper. I just goalkeepers—they're just nuts, absolutely nuts. Um, so I loved that. I'd love to have a go at that. In terms of the skills challenge itself, um, I, ju- I just wonder what it, it was. It was interesting and it was fun, and the crowd enjoyed it. And I think eventually, when the Arsenal players kind of got into it a little bit more and kind of started to understand what was happening, they were kind of getting into it. Um, but there are great upsides to it. But there can be some downsides as well. And Kai Havertz. Now, I want to have a, a, a chat about Kai Havertz as a footballer. And we'll have a few about him during the season. Because the fact that he's gone to Arsenal, the fee, the fact Chelsea wanted to let him go, where he's going to play for Arsenal, it's going to be really, really interesting. Because Miko Arteta, who spent more money than any other manager in football over the last three years, um, has purpose-built this team with this guy in mind. So it's going to be fascinating. Uh, but he had a shocker. An absolute shocker. So, um, 
whatever the heads and volley is it heads and volley challenge it must have an american title uh, i don't know what the challenge was but it was basically service and volley yeah. challenge on a key, on a goalkeeper control, yeah. control, control, control challenge oh, sorry the control challenge yeah yeah sorry the one with it looks like it's a ski ball. Oh no no, uh, he was alright on that one. It was the other one I was talking about. So the one he was shooting in the keeper. On, yes, yeah, the crossing so and finishing crossing one. Fin- Shut up, Shut Tim. Up, Tim. That's why we don't give you a microphone when we're in the same room together God. because you say nonsense. Uh, <laughs> but like they were basically crossing to him from one side, and his job was to score. And a couple of the All Stars were terrific, like really really good. Denny Bowongo was fantastic. Smash! Did he hit like four in a row? Yeah, from LAFC. He brilliant. Was, uh, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. But Havertz had 14 shots, none went in, most missed the target, and he actually was so bad, he damaged the screen behind the goal. So the screen is one of these huge digital screens, and now it's basically, I'm looking forward to seeing it tonight, it looks unusable because there's like cracks and smashes and loads of little LED lights that are no longer working. But but not for nothing, they put it literally behind the goal, and there's like no net that comes down to protect it. It's literally just a giant television screen that is behind kind of the the tiered section, not the standing room only section, but across from the opposite side. But it's like any shot that goes over the crossbar is going to hit this screen. So, like, product placement, less than ideal. But we're talking about it today, which we might not have done unless they didn't smash balls against it. I mean, look. It is the skills challenge, it is a bit of fun, and he's a bit away with the fairies sometimes, Kai Havertz, so I'm sure it won't have a massive detrimental effect, but if you go to, like, the British press today, or oh, you go to, social. like, fan media, or certainly social media, I know you're on all the social medias, bar Elon's one, um, and it's all, Kai Havertz is a bit crap, isn't it? Which is unfair, massively, but yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the risk of doing the skills challenge, which it's, is maybe it's why it's a bit fruit. of a... How good was Kivyar? Yeah. Oh, he was the star of the show. Unbelievable. Star of the show. Nobody had Jakob Kivior being the best no. player, but he was just stroking the ball around. Left foot. Unbelievable. Quality left foot. Yeah, listen, I, for, for Havertz, I covered Havertz for Europa League when he was at Bayer Leverkusen. Um, and, by the way, I, I spent some time at Bayer Leverkusen. What, what a great club. Um, but when Kai was coming through, he was 17, 16, 17, and he, he was, he, he's, he's a special player. Yeah. He's a special player. But he was more in like a free role. He could find the game. And it was always interesting when he went to Chelsea. I was always intrigued to see how managers were going to play him. Because in the system of the front three, he's not a point striker. He's not really a winger. And off, he's more of like an off-the-shoulder. you got to let him be a hybrid of like a 10 or an off-the-shoulder striker. So how do you build that team? And, and then it becomes into the conversation, well, is he good enough to have that type of role? And is he? It depends on who his teammates are. Mm. So this whole talk about Arsenal, I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see how Mikel Arteta plays him against the MLS All-Stars and what his role is. Because when you say, okay, I'll ask you, Kai Havertz, who does he start over? And how does, how does Mikel Arteta figure out a system for him to play? Because he's certainly good enough to start. But in what position, what tactical scheme, what setup, what phase of play does he find himself in? Well, this is why, you know, the Deccan Rice signing is so consequential to Arsenal. This is why Mikel Arteta, by all reports, pushed massively to make sure Deccan Rice came in. Because if you look at the back end of last season, when Thomas Partey fell out of form and, and whatever happened to him, 
I think that was so pivotal to Arsenal not being Premier League champions. He didn't want to risk that again, and he brings someone like Declan Rice in, who I think, besides shooting from distance, in every other metric is an upgrade on, on, on Thomas Partey. Yeah. And you don't need your defensive midfielder to shoot from 30 yards. You don't need it. You can drop that in place of everything else. I think bringing in Declan Rice and Kai Havertz together, the reason it makes sense, at least on paper to me, is that Declan Rice can do like two and a half people's jobs. Mm. If you look at some of the stats from Thomas Socek last year. Now, I do have a bit of a go at Thomas Socek, but I also he's, think... He's a legend, by the way. He won a trophy. That's true. He did win a trophy, and he is a legend. That's absolutely right. But he had a worse season last season because Declan Rice became a different player. He was no longer the holding midfielder. He was doing a whole bunch of jobs, and he's kind of developing as a player in a team that didn't need him to do that. And so it kind of affected Thomas Socek, I think. But you look at the numbers. Like, essentially, Declan Rice was doing two people's jobs... Plus, when Paqueta was crap, he was also driving the team forward and scoring goals. So he's doing three midfielders' jobs uh, on his own. You take that to Arsenal, he does everything Thomas Partey did in terms of covering the ball and winning the ball back and dominating midfield and protecting defence and carrying it upfield. But he also can do the Xhaka job. So you've got Xhaka and Partey in one player, allowing Martin Erdegaard to continue to develop into this world-class talent. Mm. And then you've got Kai Havertz, who... Everyone keeps telling me how incredible he is. Certainly German journalists, Kevin Hatchard and Derek Ray and Ralph Honigstein and all the people that I really, if they say it, I'll go with it, right? These guys, they keep telling us. I have seen Kai Havertz have some really great games. In general, I see someone who can get distracted by a butterfly. Like, he just seems like, have you ever, you, you would have done this loads of times, you're walking with a child and you're like, right, we're going to get new shoes today. It's a, okay, we go to the shoe shop. Can we get ice cream? And you're like, well, I mean, we're at the, we're at the shoe shop now. It's like, okay, balloon. Can I, can I get the balloon, Daddy? No, no, we're gonna go. We're gonna get to. We've got to go to the. the we're gonna shoes. Oh my God! There's a red car. Red car, Daddy. Red car. Red car. That sort of stuff. Mm. Kai Havertz has that sort of attention span to me. And if Mikel Arteta can make him Arteta level intense, and Declan Rice can do all that defensive work, then it makes sense to me. I wonder if you. Th- if he thinks that Declan Rice sits as the six, the holding six, that if he feels that Odegaard and Kai Havertz can sit in front of him, so a triangle, tip down, point down, that that's the three in the midfield that he can believe in. Offensively makes sense, right? You put Martinelli, you have Saka, and then you have Jesus up top. Not Balogun. Not as of not right now. I mean, I would assume that the $40 million going to AC Milan is still on the table. Um but I, I think you th- you think about that starting eleven, or at least that that six, that little pivot six. Um, okay. Yeah. But when they lose the ball, and they come up against a team that's as proficient, if not more, in possession, can you play with just a single true holding six defensive midfielder? And the modern game suggests that you play two midfielders that are hybrids of six and eights, dual hybrid six and eights that can do the up and down and side to side, and then allow even more creativity and free roll to play higher up and go. Outside backs get forward. And so, uh, you know, some of these darting, driving runs through the midfield, when Declan wins the ball and he starts taking that 20, 30-yard run, is there going to be the correct balance? Is someone going to pinch in from an outside back into that defensive midfield role? I think we're going to continue to see the evolution of how Mikel Arteta wanted to maybe mimic everything that he learned from Pep Guardiola. 
and now continue to see the evolution of his interpretation of football, if you will, because now he's got the players to do whatever he wants. This group of players can play whatever system, whatever style, whatever identity that Mikel Arteta wants to play. But now you got to look for those little tweaks, those little dynamics to make sure that he's got all the offensive capabilities and firepower that he will have capable with this group of players Mm. and still make sure on the defensive transition when they lose the ball that they're compact enough to deal with the athleticism that's going to come. And by the way, talking about Timber coming as a center back, it's a really good team. I mean, it's a team that should be winning the Premier League, uh, says Martin Samuel in the Times, and they were uh, got to get 95 points to do it. We shall see. It's going to be fascinating. I think Declan Rice is a surefire hit. I think Guy Havertz is a bit of a wild card, but if you can make him the world-class player that everyone else thinks that he is, then uh, there's every chance. But, of course, um, he couldn't have hit a cow's backside with a banjo last night, so I don't know. Um, one other quick bit on Arsenal from last night. Flo Balogun. I've got to ask you about him. We're going to talk about him a decent amount, I think, because... When he got, so all the players and the referees got introduced like WWE uh, talent, like Smoke and like Theme Tune. It's like, here comes your referee for tonight, Mike Dean. And he comes out, dun, 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 dun. just wild. Are you sad that Mike Dean retired, by the way? I thought he was going to come over here and do next year's All-Star. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's a fucking star right there. Sorry, Mike. Um, so let's try and make that. Let's try and make that happen. Um, but Balogun, so everyone's getting a, you know, oh good, good to see you. Like oh good, Benteke, uh, you know, all that. And then Balogun comes out, and it was like it was like standing ovation time. They love him. They love him. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty decent, not spectacular in the kind of various challenges, but you know, didn't embarrass himself like old trampoline control Benteke. Um, it's a tough night. It was a tough night for him. And even these little setups. Um, I forget, tough. was he setting up Ferreira? I forget what it was now. But whoever he was setting up, he was just like, come on, mate. It All you got to do is trap the, stop the ball. If Ferreira had to re-trap, reset the ball. Constantly. It was, it was, it was, so, it was so bad. Um, and when he was trying to shoot, just like straight. And was just like, well. And they were going in the net, so it must have confused him. Um, but Balogun, what's going to happen, right? What, how do you see this? Because yeah. part of it, if I'm Arsenal now... And I could potentially have the USA number nine striker. And you can't say they're not interested in the commercial possibility that, that brings because they're literally here now doing the skills challenge. So Arsenal evidently are massively interested in the almighty dollar and what they can do to expand in America. As everyone is, like 11 Premier League teams over here and even bloody Wrexham are here. Right? So everyone's here. Um, if they can make that work... It's going to be a monumental hit. If Arsenal were Premier League champions and Flo Balogun was the backup to Jesus slash played 30 games, yeah. just, you know, front page stuff, huge story, right? It's going to be like a cross-network story. Um, but they don't seem interested. It does still feel like he is trying to force a move and he's still behind Eddie and Ketia in the, in the pecking order yeah. at, at Arsenal. So... I don't know. How do you solve a problem like Flo Balogun? Well, first, I think the reason why he gets the the applause that he got is because he is the number nine. And mm. I think during the Nations League, obviously everyone was hyped up about the potential of him coming to the United States and representing the United States. But then what he did in the Nations League was something that we haven't had in a long time. So I think that's why the fact that he's with Arsenal right now and there's so much speculation about where potentially he ends up. 
I agree with you. Uh, and by the way, Austin Trusty was the one that hit the crossbar to ultimately win. So the, another American was on the field at the same time. Where, a little bit he of, came in from MLS, didn't he? Where did yeah, he come no, in from? So he started at Philadelphia, came through the Philadelphia Academy, was over at Colorado Rapids, and then Arsenal bought him, which is the Cronky relationship. Yes, and that's yes. where he ended up on loan at Birmingham City, which I would expect him to go out on loan again from Arsenal. But because it's the credit cards, bring him on over and put him in the squad. Um, Balligan. Because of what he's done over the last 12 months of his career and because of his player profile, because of all of his strengths that what he has, there's a reason why there's so many big clubs that are, I think, fishing around. Now, the reality for Arsenal is they've got to figure out, is he a player or I'll use an asset? Is he an asset that can be used immediately or do they want to flip him and take advantage? He's been sent out at Middlesbrough. Now he's been sent out uh, and rah, and now we're trying to figure out what the future looks like. You are so cultured. So He's cultured. so cultured. Um, but I guess ultimately, what does Arsenal want? Hmm. $25 million, $30 million, $35 million? And what's the threat? I mean, every single amount in there feels too much for someone who scored a few goals in Liga for a team that came like 14th. Well, but in, in, if you were going to say that he's going to stay in the Premier League, then you say, okay, he's a $30 million player. Hmm. But if you're trying to sell him to Serie A, the reality is Serie A teams can't afford. Yeah. And, and this is different. Arsenal doesn't have to sell. This isn't Chelsea. No, they don't have to sell. But, I mean, also, they have spent a monumental amount of money. Like, And they're not backed by a country. And they do need to justify this to financial fair play and sustainability rules and all and that sort of stuff. So, and being an England player. Exactly right. Homegrown sales are all profit, right? So... From that, someone like Balogun will need to go to balance the books from what they have bought elsewhere. So that that could be part of it. But Mikel Arteta, what do we know about him at this point during his managerial career? Three years in, we know that he likes young players. We know he likes young talent. We know he can improve young talent. We look at Bukayo Saka and Martinelli and all these players that have gone from potential to... I mean, those two players specifically delivered endlessly last season. If he looks at Balogun and wants him... It won't matter about financial fair play and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Figure it out. You know, life finds a way. If he looks at Balogun and goes, I can't make a striker out of him, mm-hmm. what does that say? It, it says that Balogun is not worthy of playing for Arsenal Football Club and that he's not at the level that Mikel Arteta wants. But that he can't make him that level? I mean, he well, thinks he can make Eddie Nketiah it, it's a Premier League number nine. Well, it, it, that's where it becomes a fascinating conversation because he can also play Havertz at the number nine if he wants to. And I think that's what becomes fascinating about Havertz is you can play him in multiple positions. So it becomes even more valuable to a guy like Mikel Arteta. I think Balogun can play for Arsenal. You do? I, I, I think, oh, absolutely, he could be a part of the squad. Now, is he a starter? Not right now. Not with Gabby Jesus up top. Gabby Jesus is going to start every single time if mm. he's healthy and available. That's the reality right now. So for Balogun, there's there's got to be it's, – it's a really delicate situation because the reality – and this is what nobody talks about. I always find this fascinating, uh, fascinating conversation. When we are trying to justify why a player has to leave, the club is saying the player has to leave. Like St. Maximin right now with Newcastle, he's got to leave. Hold on a second. Didn't he sign a valid contract? 
if St. Maximin was trying to force himself out, wouldn't Eddie Howe be saying, hold on, he signed a valid contract. Like, of course, where's his loyalty to the club? So we do this thing where we try to, like, justify who's right, who's wrong, and what looks better and what doesn't look better. The reality is Flo Balogun has a valid contract with Arsenal that he chose to sign. Yeah, There was no pressure, and the club gave him a contract, and he signed the contract accordingly. Now, knowing that he would go out on loan, knowing that still he had how many years left on his deal, knowing that he wanted to develop. And I don't think anybody's naive enough to think that Flo Balogun doesn't have aspirations to play for Arsenal and be the number nine for Arsenal, but that that might not be the reality. Tammy Abraham, look at what happened at Chelsea. And then now having an unbelievable career with Roma. So life can come fast. But we find this thing where now you're trying to, if you're an Arsenal fan, you say, well, how much money can you make off Flo Balogun? Well, let's sell him. Let's take advantage of this. Let's utilize all that cash for profit situation and move him on. But what if Flo wants to stay and fight for his position? Does that mean he's a dick for doing so? Is that going to ruin the plans of Arsenal? I got to say, sorry, Tim. I think I got to say, sorry, Tim. Um, because he signed a valid contract. He wants to be a part of a project. And he's got time. He's got he's years got, before the World Cup. He's got plenty of time. Years to, 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 develop, to develop there if he wants to. I mean, I'm surprised there is no talk of another loan. I'm surprised at that. But at what point do these young, dynamic, up-and-coming players say, you're not loyal to me. Mm. Why should I be loyal to you? The dynamics behind the scenes are even more intriguing than the possibilities on the field sometimes. So, I, I obviously, he's going to have, what, four or five games for Arsenal and Mikel Arteta to, quote-unquote, prove that he's an Arsenal player? Or does it become the moment where someone comes in with a significant offer where Arsenal says, you know what, it might not be now, maybe it's next year, but with the amount of money that we're spending, this is a great offset to what we're talking about for a financial fair play. I just don't see the big offer. I, I mean, I haven't seen him that, that much in the flesh. I'm hoping he starts tonight. I'm looking forward to watching him, but... You know, that we had uh, our friend Ben Jacobs on, kind of transfer guru, was talking to us about kind of West Ham being in the mix. And by the way, wait till my tune changes when he becomes a West Ham player, folks, should that happen. Wait immediate, till Harry Maguire Immediate switch. It's not going to happen. It's not, why are you saying, stop bringing this up. Wait till it happens. To be fair, we've got Kurt Zuma and he's got two knees that go in five different directions. So it's, it's an improvement on that. Um, legend, though. Trophy winner. Legend. Mm. Uh, anyway, it'll be interesting Did to see what he does. Did you get your tattoo yet? We're here. Where is the f- Tattoo, Rennie. Sorry, Tim. Look, I didn't say I was going to get a tattoo. Uh, There's no. Roll the tape. We have played. Roll the tape. We have played this tape many times. Roll the tape. I never said I was going to get a tattoo. Mm. I just said if this podcast went into the top forty, which it regularly does, it does. Um, and um, and West Ham won the Conference League, which they did, mm. that I would consider. Mm. Getting a Larry Hagman tattoo whilst holding the conference league. But I can tell you, I promise to consider it. I've considered it, and I ain't f***ing doing it. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Um, you spoke to Wayne Rooney yesterday. I did. Uh, All-Stars manager, DC United manager. He is only four months uh, older than me, Wayne Rooney. And I still feel quite young. Like, not, not young in the traditional sense. <laughs> We all think we're 23, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, but, like, in a, in a manager sense, I'm very young, right? If yeah, I was going to yeah. be a football manager, yeah. I'm very young. Yeah. 37 years of age. Um, wait, I always think of him as older. I don't know why. Um, probably because I've got a mirror. I know we're the same age. <laughs> um, but 37, uh, currently at DC, yeah. 
low budget, good at corners, formulaic, but unspectacular. But other teams in MLS have got Lionel Messi, right? So, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, He said in his notes pre-game on the MLS website that he wants to see a pathway from where he is to be a top manager at a European club. You spoke to him yesterday. He has got so many years of career left in front of him. What do you make to that statement, uh, and how do you see Wayne Rooney's progression and yeah. career path? Uh, listen, I, I I am not one of those that is so insecure that you get to the point where you're like, oh my god, what he's gonna leave MLS? Like, MLS is the best. Like, no, that's like we all understand. That was so unsettling to we, see we, in the we, flesh. We, by the way, we all understand. you really embodied the character. You're, yeah, that was that was scary. You're welcome. Um, this is one of those situations where, of course, he's got ambition to coach at the highest level. It's naive to think anything different. And what he did at Derby County when he transitioned from player to coach, what he's done now coming back to familiar settings in D.C. uh, with a hierarchy that he already knows from having played here before he went back home and to continue to cut his teeth, I don't think that there's anything wrong with his statement. Now, what he's doing, to your point about Messi coming in, it's nuclear's arm, a nuclear arms race in terms of spending in Major League Soccer, and we'll continue to see that. And there's going to be a phase of the start of MLS, pre-MLS, David Beckham, post-MLS with David Beckham, and now pre-MLS with Lionel Messi, and now real-time with MLS with Lionel Messi. Um, he will do what a guy like Patrick Vieira did, try to have as much success as possible, then turn that into an opportunity over in Europe. And it, what, it, it does say top European club, though. Of I course. mean, do you think he would take but no, no, but I the Vieira-Crystal Palace route? But, the, but there's steps. But I do mean, you think he would take that step? I mean, you mentioned Vieira. Well, and, v, and the, the Palace thing sort, sort of worked out, but all they did was finish 12th. But he went the Palace to Nice, always yeah, finished 12th. right? He went to Nice, and he, which is different because it's French-speaking, French culture, Ligue 1. I mean, they weren't Champions League club when he... When he got there, were they? but, but they were I mean, I'm, I'm saying like going back to a place where he adapts to the culture and the player and understanding who they are. Um, I could see Wayne Rooney, and this will be kind of the interesting dynamic because when Jesse Marsh left the New York Red Bulls, he was the assistant coach at RB Leipzig before getting Red Bull Salzburg. So all of a sudden, we're like, hold on a second, you went from being the top team in major league soccer to becoming an assistant coach mm. in the Bundesliga. Like that doesn't make sense. Like why would, and then you realize, Oh, that's a year set up for adaption to then go to Red Bull Salzburg. And that was like a cultural thing off the field thing, family thing, language thing. Jesse was speaking German and then he's speaking Austrian. So you understood what the pathway was. Whatever Wayne decides to do, he's got to make sure that the team itself is strong enough to compete first and foremost. That the support staff, which is, I would say, the sporting director and the board, has his back and is willing to spend money. Mm. That an owner that has deep enough pockets that can compete for whatever the immediacy is, right? If he's going to go, like, look at Brighton. Like, Brighton would be a fantastic situation for a guy like Wayne Rooney if he walked in the door right now. No disrespect to Serbia, you're amazing. Respect what you've done. But because you know that there's already something there, right? There, there's there's an idea, there's an identity, there's a pathway to success, um, and they'll compete, but they'll sell. Um, that that's that's the step before the step. Like if you if we're, I'd be intrigued to hear what a Frank Lampard situation would have been had he not been offered the Chelsea role mm. to go from Derby County to see what the next step was to take the step. For example. 
I think what Steven Gerrard was doing was perfect. Step out of the player realm, go to Scotland, huge club in Glasgow Rangers, have a tremendous amount of success, and then go to Aston Villa. Don't go to Liverpool. Obviously, didn't work at Aston Villa. Things went sideways dramatically. He loses his job. Now he's taking the next step to go to Saudi Arabia, which is an intriguing conversation in so many different variables. Not really. He went for the money. Uh, yeah. but And that's okay, but yeah. he went for the money. He's not gone for career development. So, there's huge money to be made. There's money to be made. Get, get your bag. Um, but I, I, the, there's steps before steps. And... I'm 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 intrigued to see what this looks like, what his pathway looks like, because I think there's so many examples of how not to take that next step. Yeah, that I would be intrigued to see what Wayne, because nobody thinks in Major League Soccer that Wayne Rooney is going to be a lifelong coach at DC United. Do they think? Do they think it's possible they could win kind of MLS Cup in the next three years if he stayed to his forty? Is that even slightly realistic? It, if he was given the players, right now, no. Because they're not going to—I mean, they're not going to have the same sort of budget. They're not going to have those players, are they? They might be able to get one at some point. They might want to play for Wayne Rooney. They might well, be a bit I mean, of luck. Spent, if it is sick and whatever. I know. I know the money doesn't make sense as easily as it does to us, right? Yeah. Because you're talking tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, on players. It's just a different. It's a different landscape. They paid eight million dollars for Benteke. Mm. I mean. Whether you, wherever you, I mean that that is a significant sum of money that is invested in a singular player. So they've spent money, and then they've leaned into Wayne's Rolodex of players. But to suggest that they're going to be LAFC or Inter Miami or even Seattle Sounders or LA Galaxy teams that have historically spent significant sums of money, that's not going to happen at DC. So. They could be kind of the little engine that could, and maybe they could knock a couple teams out. Um, because look at Philadelphia Union. Philadelphia Union doesn't go out and historically spend a ton of money, but every single year, over, uh, in, at least in the last three years, they're one of the teams that can push the big dogs and knock off the big dogs on their day. So that's what Wayne Wayne could be the new Philadelphia Union as we go through the next couple of years if he elects to stay. Does it have to be D.C.? For Rooney, would he be attracted to other clubs in the United States? Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, if he, if someone comes calling, but but we were talking about this on on the show yesterday. Um, Wayne Rooney's name and playing career will get him in the door hmm. because I think there'll always be a shine to who he is. It's still so fresh as well that career. At, I mean, he's uh-huh. still so young. He's still one of the best players to ever play the game. Ever, absolutely. I, the 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 blasphemy is crazy to me. Um, so he gets into every single conversation. And now as he continues to cut his teeth, and, and by the way, I really enjoy listening. We were talking with Tony Miola yesterday at dinner. I agree with him. I really enjoy watching the evolution of Wayne in the press and how he's talking about his team. And there's a maturity that's different. And I, I, w- I would suggest that people do not understand the difference between being an elite of the elite of the elite player and saying, like, no, just f***ing shoot. Like, do, sorry, Tim. Do what I'm. I know I can hear. He was just done. We're about to end the yeah, show. He was finished. So he had him all marked. He's already editing. You've ruined it. But do like just do it. Like no, do it. And the guy's like, can't do it. Do the kick ups. Do the kick up challenge, America. He, he can't do it. But amazing, by the way. Amazing. Um, and to have to teach. Yeah. So I think we're watching. We are watching a really good young manager. Young manager. Um, 
We all agree 37 is young. That's good. That's trying good. to figure out exactly what it looks like going forward. In the real, in, in the short term, um, he gets through the season. After the season, something that we have to acknowledge, his family's not with him. His kids aren't here. Yeah. I mean, when you, when, you, when your family and your kids are not with you, I couldn't even imagine. No. So um, there's, there's a lot of dynamics at play, but I, I think he's got a bright future as a manager. To be fair, though, our families aren't here, and we're having a great time. Oh, boy. So, you know, maybe he's living the dream. Um, we're all about our time. I think that's, that's, that's good content today, I think. That was yeah. a good week in the taco in person. Uh, for I did the very to, first time. For the very first time. Hopefully not the last time. No. We'll, we'll, just, we'll see if we stay in the top 40. Um, I did want to read this to you because I loved this. So we had a load of good responses uh, during the, the Grumpy Pundit show on Wednesday about this weird cereal we started the show with. And I just wanted to read you this because it really made me laugh. Uh, Terry got in touch, Terry Thompson, and he tweeted the show and he said, uh, that box of cereal, I wouldn't eat it, but Todd Bowley would offer a transfer record for it, <laughs> which I thought was just excellent. Factual statement. <laughs> just absolutely excellent. Um, right. Week in the tackle. In person. For the hey. first time and not the last time. Horsey. Make an appearance, horse. Come on. There he is. That's, I just want you to know, that's what Tim talking balls looks like. Yes. Yeah. But he had, he, he had his hair... He had his haircut, which was a shame. I was hoping to get my hands in the fop. The flow. But you can't do it. Uh, that's Brian Dunseth. I'm Tom Rennie. The program is produced by Mr. Tim Horsey. And this is the Week in the Tackle podcast. We'll see you next time.